0: minimum of 4 lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees phone fee is 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due $35 per line connection charge applies ctmobile.com Mike's on he's ready to go on the fan New York Sports Radio Mike's on Mike's on
1: Sports and it on it the Fan. Sports Radio 66 and 1019FM On this Thursday evening Uh there we go. We got a little technical problem. There we go, I got feedback there, there we, now we got it. Now I think they got everything set. Good evening, everybody. This is Mike on uh, as we'll take you right up until 6.30 on what's been a, a very, very busy day. Sorry for that uh, little problem at the top of the show. Uh, so obviously, whenever the Giants or anybody in town names a new coach, it's a big deal. When it's the football Giants, it's a little bigger deal. And although it's happened a couple of times in recent years, your hope. And I know the Giant fans, you can almost hear them leading with their hearts, hoping that they don't have to go through this again for a while. They're tired of going through it. They're not used to going through this. They're not used to all the losing. They're not used to the constant turnover with these coaches. They don't want any more of this to happen. And now they hope that they can pin their hopes uh, and that things do turn around uh, behind this 38-year-old special teams coach from Mississippi State who was a kind of of jack-of-all-trades quarterback, you know, guy who did a lot of different things, played under Jackie Sherrill at Mississippi State, learned his football from Jackie Sherrill, who you remember was a very successful, very successful coach who coached a couple of players you may remember, like Dan Marino is one. Uh, He coached him at Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, guy like that... uh, Rubs off on you. He said Jackie Sherrill had rubbed off on him. Then obviously he coached under Nick Saban and watched the Nick Saban team win championships. Then he coached under Bill Belichick and watched the Pats win championships and aided to it as the special teams coach. And I I talked about this right after he got named. And I said I like the idea of somebody who will coach the whole team. And he talked about that today. And that's what a special teams coach brings. He brings a different look than some guy who's a play caller does. And a lot of the guys we've had here have had that problem. To me, they have not, they have not had the qualities that head coaches have to have. Head coaches have to have presence. Head coaches who are going to be successful, they are detail guys, but they also just instinctively know where the problem is. They know how to put their finger on it. They know how to fix it. They know what's going on in their building. They know what's going on with their players. And they just have a feel and a touch with their team. And you hope. You don't know. I've told you this many times. And in a couple of interviews I did today out of town, I brought this up as, as a word of caution, but also just to show you that there's just no way of knowing. When a guy hasn't been a head coach, and most times he's been a coordinator, remember this young man has not even been a coordinator in essence. He's been a special team coach, which is almost like a coordinator, but he hasn't been an offensive coordinator. He hasn't been a defensive coordinator. He hasn't been a head coach. But even guys who are steeped in wonderful resumes, who have come from winning programs, who have shown you a a deft touch in big games. I can think of a couple of guys who were so exceptional as assistants, but just were terrible head coaches. One of those is mentioned as a possible offensive coordinator here, and that's North Turner. North Turner was a brilliant, Offensive coordinator for those wonderful Cowboy teams. And you thought he'd be a successful head coach, but he wasn't. Every time he got the job, it didn't work out. Why? He was not a head coach. Bill Onsbarger was the, if you were going to build, if you were going to build a head coaching prospect in a laboratory, you would build Bill Onsbarger. Bill Ansbarger was Don Schuler's right hand man. Schuler coached the offense. Onsbarger coached the defense, the no name defense, the famed 53 defense, the no name defense. That led the Dolphins to greatness, undefeated season, championships, storybook stuff. So when he was going to go and become a head coach, oh, the team that's going to get this prized assistant who can't miss as a head coach, that was Bill Onsbogger. He came to the Giants, and he won 25% of his games. He was a, a disaster. He had no personality, couldn't recruit you out of a burning building. And he was an utter failure as a head coach. This wonderful assistant, storied assistant. You see it in guys like Wade Phillips. You see it in guys like North Turner. You see it in guys like Bill Ellensberger. They can have all the success in the world It doesn't make them head coaches. Head coaches are different. They have presence. They have instincts. They are generalists. They lead everybody. They motivate everybody. Assistants, the first man on the team, the star quarterback, the last guy who covers kicks. They know how to touch and press the buttons of every one of those guys. You hope that this guy is one of those guys. You don't know if he is. You hope he is. You hope that they're going to get it right this time. And it doesn't matter. Folks, when these searches begin, it doesn't matter what order it goes in. As I've mentioned many times, because I can't think of a more prominent example, Arapah Segan was not Notre Dame's first choice as their head coach. They wanted Dan Devine because he was Catholic. Arapah Segan was not. He was really a non-practicing Protestant who really wasn't a religious man. Dan Devine was a Catholic. They wanted Dan Devine. Dan Devine turned him down. They hired Ara Parsegan. Years later, they would never even admit to anybody. After 95, 17, and 4, and 3 national championships, they would never even think of admitting they ever thought of anybody else except Ara when he was the coach at Northwestern. Not true. He wasn't their first choice. Did it matter? No. Does it matter if somebody's not your first choice? Absolutely not. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. To the process. You just have to hope you hit on the guy. So if they wanted Rule and he got bought out from under him, so be it. If they wanted another guy and he went somewhere else, so be it. They put their finger on a guy, whether they were sold by what Bill, Bill Belichick said or they were impressed by his interview. Whatever it took that brought him here, now he's here. Now it's about him. Now it's about Judge putting together a staff and he's been told that he'll get to put together his own. Now it's about this guy. Is he the right guy at the right time to be the guy to lead the Giants? And the word to underline is lead. There are three things you need in this league win. You need an owner that gets it, who will give you the things you need to win. You need a head coach who can do the job, who has presence, who can lead, who can run the entire staff and run the whole place, make the players accountable, and also motivate the players. Coach has got really two jobs. He's got to give the players a plan they can win with and then get them to play hard. That's it. If he fails in either one of those, he's not going to get the job done. He's got to get them a plan that will work. And then he's got to get them to play hard. Neither one is easy. There are problems along the way on every, every stretch of land. doesn't matter. With every passing mile, there's another problem. This guy wants a bigger contract. This guy wants more playing time. This guy's not happy. That guy's not happy. This coach is looking elsewhere. This guy's got an agenda. Hey, this guy's hurt. That's the way it works. What the Giants have lacked in recent years, they've lost their way. They've lost their way as far as owner goes. They've lost their way as far as the front office goes. They've lost their way as far as the head coach goes. They are in desperate need of a leader. Hopefully, hopefully, they found one today. I know having heard his press conference today, he did a good job. He didn't didn't make a bad first impression. We know plenty of guys who have. He didn't. He made a good first impression. You liked what you heard today. I think most people did. Then I heard him do an interview with Joe and Evan before, so I heard him answering the questions. And again, you liked what you heard. You liked the message that he wants to bring. You liked the way he went about answering the questions. And it just sounded like maybe, maybe, he's the right guy at the right moment. Again, It's not a perfect science. There are no no assistants who become head coaches who are automatic. None. And so many times, the guy you don't get rid of. John Mara talks about having more patience. Hey, Giants didn't have a whole lot of patience when a first year that was a nightmare for Bill Parcells, a nightmare. He had family tragedy. He had players die. He had assistants die. He had all kinds of problems. Everything went wrong. And the Giants were ready to, under pressure, ready to get rid of him. The guy they wanted, Howard Schnellenberger, wasn't available. They didn't know was that he and Parcells at the time shared the same agent. It was before agents were well-known in those days. A guy named Robin Fairley who died in that plane crash with Payne Stewart, that was Bill's agent. He was also Howard Schnellenberg's agent. So that got blown up in their face, so they kept him. The rest is history. Sometimes the move you don't make is the best move of all. And sometimes the guy you don't get, the guy you get second or third is the one that turns out to be the one. Hopefully, the Giants got one who's got some staying power and will provide some leadership. 38-year-old Joe Judge, the new head coach of the football Giants, he was asked today about who he is.
0: There's a question out there I'm sure a lot of people are asking. That's number one, who am I? Well, maybe I can explain that a little bit better, but instead of saying who am I, by telling you what's relevant in this conversation with being a coach of the New York Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old-school physical mentality.
1: Old-school physical mentality. How about a style of play?
0: We'll play fast. We'll play downhill. We'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes. We'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. We'll play fundamentally sound. We will not beat ourselves. That is our mission right here.
1: Well, not beating yourself is half the battle. Play smart play tough, do your job, that is the mantra. I thought you might hear do your job today. That obviously, obviously the mantra of the Patriots. Play smart, play tough, do your job. How about his philosophy?
0: Offense, defense, special teams. Our philosophy is going to be to put pressure on the opponent to prepare for multiple things. Within that, we have to have personnel versatility and we have to have flexibility schematically. To make sure that whoever we play, we can adjust our game plan to maximize our strengths versus their weaknesses.
1: Think about what you heard there, folks, about versatility of player. You think New England. And then you think about the flexibility of play. Being versatile and being flexible. What team? The thing that Bill Belichick has changed the most in the National Football League is that... He tailored every game plan to the opponent. In the old days of the NFL, you played a certain way. Dallas played this way. They brought their multiflex offense. They brought their stunt 4-3 defense. The Bears played this way. In the days of the great Bear team, under Buddy Ryan and Ditka, they were going to blitz. They were going to get off the bus Blitzen. You knew that. You knew how they were going to play. If you go back to any team, they had a way of playing. Belichick changed all that. His team has always been chameleon-like. He would throw it one week, run it with power the next week. Next week, come out and four wide and throw it 50 times. Everything was different, tailored to the opponent, and that's what you heard from this coach talking about versatility, talking about flexibility. In New England, you have to know your job and you have to know the next guy's job. There, they actually teach by putting people in the opposite room. They have wide receivers go in the deep back room and learn how deep backs are taught so that they get to see how the other side lives. Same thing, vice versa. Deep backs, Look at how wide receivers train and prepare so that you understand what you're up against. Plus, they always give you the idea that they will call on you to do any job. You're there to play football. You're a football player. You're there to do whatever job they ask you to do that week. So they look for and lean on versatility, flexibility, the same, the same things that Judge echoed in his press conference. How about leaning on people?
0: And as a young head coach, I'm going to lean on Dave Gettleman. I'm going to lean on having the right people in the building to fill in some of the blacks that I may have. I need men in my building who are willing to walk into my office and tell me the truth, and we can be on the same page. Now, we may have some disagreements at times, but we're going to walk out in that field with those players and all have the same vision, same voice.
1: All right, now, uh, leaning on Gettleman, well, listen, we might have a difference of opinion there on that one, but, uh, hey, you get the idea. Question is, as he builds this staff... Let's see where he decides to put the experience. Now let's let's assume that the dollar figures and it can be because I can tell you I know this for a fact, building staffs here is very tricky because you'll get guys who won't come because they can't afford a house in a certain neighborhood and they're selling a house that is three fifty or four I'm just giving you a number, is four hundred in the town they're living in right now. You're asking them to come here, and the house they want is 800. They can't make it work. So now their wives are upset. When the wives are upset, they're upset. That's where you lose assistant coaches. So here it's tricky getting the staff. The question I want to see is, though, is where does he go for the experience? Where does he bring in the old hand? Does he bring him in on defense? Does he bring him in on offense? Watch to see. He won't bring him in on both he'll have an aggressive guy a, an aggressive young guy on one side and he'll have an old hand on the other. Let's see which way he goes with the old hand versus the young guy. It'll be one or the other. One of the one of the two assistants. Most likely I would guess if you made me guess right here, I would guess the offensive coordinator is going to have some age on him and very good chance he could be a former head coach in a Turner or a Jason Garrett, somebody along, along that line. Uh, what about culture?
0: You come in, you put the team first. We're going to ask our players at times to do things that necessarily may not be what they have in mind for themselves. But if it's best for the team, they have to be willing to go forward with it because that's what a winning culture is.
1: How about the team and just the whole environment that the team exists in?
0: I want this team to reflect this area. I want the people that pay their hard-earned money in the neighborhoods of New York, North Jersey, South Jersey to come to our games and note the players on the field play with the same attitude they wake up with every morning. That is blue-collar. It's hard work.
1: You know, he touched on something today, folks, that I could not agree with more, and that is how important it is to operate in a city where they care. Nothing worse, and this is true, and you hear this all the time from coaches and managers, and it's true. I don't care if you're a coach. I don't care if you're a talk show host, if you're a broadcaster. You want to be in a city where there's passion, where the people care. You don't want to be in a city where they don't care about their sports, where they don't care about their teams. You want them to care about your teams, and as a head coach, you'll take some Screaming and yelling, you'll take some criticism, you'll take some unhappiness, you want people to care. And he talked today about being in Tuscaloosa, where I think they care a little bit about uh, college football, or being in Philadelphia. Or being here where you want fans that are rabid. You want fans that care, that are passionate about the team. Even if they aren't always complimentary, they care. And that's important. You don't want to do a job in a town where no one cares about your product or cares about what you're doing. They don't care about that. Now this guy obviously spent time under two giants. You know, recently on HBO there was a special. If you haven't seen it, take the time to look at it. It's a special about the relationship between Belichick and Sabin. The guy who comes out of that union, remember, Saban is a Belichick guy. The guy who comes out of that union is this head coach, this new head coach. Let's hear what he said about those two. Both Coach Sabin and Belichick both had the same philosophy and
0: values and beliefs. From working for both of them, they both did it their own way. And that's something right there. You can't try to be somebody else. And I'm not going to try to be anybody else. I'm myself. If that's good enough for you, great. If it's not, that's good too. But I'm going to be myself.
1: I like that. I, I like that as an answer. I really do. Because I've seen some of these young coaches think they were Bill Parcells. Or think they were Bill Belichick. And you know what? You're not. Don't try to be those guys. Don't try to do things like they do. Don't try and run the... Don't try to run a press conference with the crusty charisma that a Parcells brought to it. Don't try to run a press conference with the flippant attitude that a Belichick brings to that press conference. No one can do that. He can do that. He can go in there and answer every question on to Cincinnati. You know what? You can't. Don't try to be them because you aren't them. And you have to be who you are, honest to yourself, and be real. Because if you're not, no one's going to buy it. No one wants you to be an imitation. No one wants you to be doing an imitation. They want you to be you. And if that is what he takes from those guys, you know, that they are themselves. And, you know, Saban and Belichick, they're not exactly alike. They have some core beliefs in certain ways of football. And they all have, like... Belichick and Parcells couldn't be more different as people, couldn't be more different in personality, couldn't be more different in approach uh, in every way. But they both have core philosophies about the sport. They think bigger is better. They believe that everybody on defense has to know how to tackle, even the corners. Corners can't play for them if they don't know how to tackle. Everybody tackles. Otherwise, you don't play. And those kind of beliefs is what you want as a basis. But you want to be your own guy. And we'll learn what that is for Joe Judge. We heard a little of it today. He was honest. He didn't step out and make crazy statements. He didn't say anything today that you would have trouble, him having trouble back up. He didn't make anything today that was outrageous. He didn't make any statements that were outrageous. He didn't make any claims that were outrageous. He didn't make any promises that were outrageous. He promised you that the team would play hard, that it would play tough, that it would uh, stay away from mistakes, and it will try and play winning football. Nothing wrong with that. Now, he takes over a team that needs a lot of work. He's not inheriting the team that's, you know, ready to win. He's inherited a team that needs a lot of work and needs a coach to lead it. They didn't have a Pro Bowl player on this giant team this year. This team has been, God, awful the last couple of years. Terrible on defense. Terrible in the fourth quarter of games. Unable to get anything done in terms of realistic wins and losses. It's been a bad, it's been a disappointing, it's been an ugly football team. That's what he walks into here. He's got a big job in front of him. It's not going to get solved in a day. But you hope that what you see is somebody who right from the start lets the players know who's boss, who provides some leadership, who makes the players accountable. I think in football you have to make the players accountable. Everyone now, oh, you know, coaches. They're no longer a coach's league. Now it's a players league. I don't buy that for a second. I think players want to be led. I think they want to be disciplined. I don't think they want to do it if they don't believe you know what you're doing. But I think once they believe that you can give them a plan they can win with, then they'll buy in. And once you start winning, they'll really buy in. Nothing. Nothing gets people to buy in more than some success. And here's the one thing. And it's clear as day in this league. You can turn a 4 or 5 win team into a 10 or 11 win team in one year in this league. It can be done. Things can click and and fall into place that quickly. That is not impossible. It happens in this league all the time. You just got to have the right man coaching the right staff and picking the right players. Now, that's a lot of rights for a team that's done everything wrong. Hopefully, they took a step in the right direction today by uh, naming this guy as their head coach. So now, the Giants belong to a judge. We'll see where that takes us. Sal is next. We'll see you tomorrow with a Football Friday program.